The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to Bear and Balance. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined by the boss over at that fine website. Lester A. Wiltfong Jr. Lester, the Bears win. I said <laughs> it on last week's show. I said, get ready. There's going to be better context next week because I do not believe in the Seattle Seahawks. And even though Nick Foles was starting and not Justin Fields, the Bears won a game. How are you doing tonight? The Seahawks are a bad team. Right. You know, it's, it's, that's what's out there. And the Giants next week are a bad team. But, but you know what? It's good for the Bears to win because a lot of his young players on the roster will be here next year. So let's get some W's. You know, it's, it's there's no draft pick to play for. So that's just out the window. Get the dub. Let's have these young players. I, I wish it was Justin Fields out there, but it's not. But but it's still, you know, Thomas Graham, Larry Borum. You know, there are still some young guys that are be that'll be on this roster next year getting the thrill of a victory. And that's good to see. You know, I didn't have the ability to watch the game with my eyeballs because it wasn't on normal TV. You know, I have a couple options when that happens. You know, you go to a bar. I don't have the ticket. So, so that, you know, that's kind of about maybe try to convince one of my friends to let me come over and, and hang out with them. I uh, didn't go that direction. Didn't really want to go to a bar. You know, we've got Omicron and all that kind of stuff going on. I just didn't want to mess with it. Yeah. So my other option that I like to do is I like to listen to the game. I like to listen to Joniak make the call. And so I waited for the game to start, got ready and went for a run. So I'm running around this lake that we have here, just getting my long run in of the day. And I'm listening to Joniak make the call. And I'm like, the game's like over. And it's, you know, there's like a minute left or whatever. And the feed goes out. NFL game pass feed just goes out. And I was like, well, what's happening here? So I, you know, I'm pulling off my gloves, right? I'm trying to switch over. Uh, to the to the home feed to see if that works. So I switch over to the home feed. And these guys are just the saddest sacks you've ever heard in your life. These For Seattle? Home, these Seattle play-by-play <laughs> guy, you know, and they're like, the Seattle Seahawks inexplicably are going to drop a game at Lumen Field to the Chicago <laughs> Bears. And they're talking about the Bears like they're – the worst team in the league, like they're the Jaguars. And they're talking about themselves like, you know, they're a 10-win team, like they're the Rams or something. You know, I mean, the the disconnect between what they think of their own football team and what they are and what they had coming into the house. I mean, these are two bad football teams. But again, I, I, I have not been impressed by anything I've seen from Seattle all year. 
I'm not surprised the Bears were able to come in and do this. And so it kind of made me chuckle, but it also made me like shake my head. Like, who do you guys think you are? Who, what, what football team do you think you've been watching all year? You know, it's definitely a year to year league, but I mean, to be fair, the Seattle Seahawks fans, they've had a pretty good run. You know, Russ Wilson, this is what sure. his first time, you know, that he's actually going to miss the playoffs since he's been there. You know, there, there's, there's a, a title up there once. So, I can see why they have a little bit of that high and mighty attitude. And then, of course, the Bears, I mean, man, the Bears have been kind of a national joke for a while now. And it's, yes, they're not the Jags. You know, they're, they've they never had a losing record under Nagy until this year. But just the perception of people seeing that pathetic offense in Chicago, I'm sure that has something to do with it. But like you said, this year, come on, guys, it's the Seattle Seahawks are not very good. You know, Russell Wilson missed a chunk of the game, uh, the chunk of the season. And he even mentioned that he came back too soon and he still might not be right. So I wouldn't, I was not surprised the Bears pull out the, the victory. Um, it was a much, uh, much more exciting game than I thought it would be. So that was fun. So Lester, do you want to talk about Russell Wilson real quick? Because, you know, we had uh, Brandon Scholes on uh, Bears Over Beers. He's he's from the field goals. And, you know, we kind of brought it up and he was kind of, he didn't really want to take the bait. He didn't want to talk about, the potential Russell Wilson trade. And, and I, you know, I'm, I think it's just kind of a fascinating sliding doors moment because obviously the bears didn't believe that they were going to be in a position to take a guy like Justin Fields or a guy like Zach Wilson or a guy like Trevor Lawrence uh, or Trey Lance in the draft, right? They just didn't think one of those guys was going to fall to a spot that they would have the ammunition to come up and get. And so they worked really hard to try to try to get somebody in the building and they from a lot of the back room stuff that we hear third hand, you know, there was a pretty good uh, percentage that this Russell Wilson deal was going to happen. There was going to be a, a monster mega trade. Now that you know what you know and what you've seen in Seattle, do you think Seattle regrets not trading their franchise for a, a you know a whole bunch of picks? Do you feel like as a Bears fan, we kind of dodged a bullet? Like, where are you at with? the potential Russell Wilson moment. I think from Seattle's perspective, they have to be disappointed because this is probably the end of the Russell Wilson era this year. Anyway, uh, Pete Carroll's probably going to be gone. They're going to have a rebuild coming in Seattle. It would have been nice to have a young quarterback and a bunch of draft picks to start that rebuild. And that's not what they're going to have now from the bears perspective. I, I kind of take a look at Matt Nagy's offense. And, and as much as I am a huge fan of Russell Wilson, I'm not sure how much he helps the offense because Matt Nagy is still the guy designing the plays. He's still the guy calling the plays. You know, if if Russ Wilson would have been here, there probably wouldn't have been a switch to laser because it would have been just enough to get by. So there would be there, there would be no sense of urgency for him to to step back from play calling. So I think the Bears obviously would have been better with a, a, a vet future Hall of Famer like Russell Wilson. I'm not sure if it would have been a difference maker as far as you know putting him to a, a Super Bowl because there are some holes in his roster, but. I, as a Bears fan, I'm glad that things went down how they did that uh, Russell stayed in uh, Seattle. As a content creator, I think we would have been fine either way. But uh, yes, yes. You know, <laughs> it is uh, one of those interesting things that I, I don't think we should lose perspective on. But well, let's get into the show. Let's get into the categories. So we always like to start off with the trench tribute. I think I get to go first this week. Um, so I'm going to point out Larry Borum. And the reason okay. why I'm pointing out Larry is because he wasn't going to play in this game for some unknown reason. New captain Jermaine Effetti and, you know, uh, fun hater Jane, <laughs> Jermaine Effetti, apparently. He got the start at right tackle, but Tevin Jenkins went down early with an injury. So Borum gets 
put into action early at left tackle, right? We've seen him at right tackle. Now he's at left tackle. And I, I tried to watch him, uh, you know, on my rewatch. I thought he played all right. Yeah. Again, he's winning with size. You know, he's winning with that big frame, but he's getting in the way of people. And I, you know, again, he, he's been playing right tackle. And then he gets pushed into the, uh, into the game at left tackle, plays most of the game. It's in snow. He's able to get that big frame in front of people. I don't know, man. Like I, I keep, he's not the most like convincing tackle performance you've ever seen in your life. He's not like, oh man, he's moving people off the ball, but he's getting the job done. You know, I agree with you because I had the same guy this week. I had Borum as well for the same reason. I think that was just, uh, he wasn't consistent. You know, his tape, this, this wasn't his best game, to be fair. I think he gave up at least one sack was on him. Uh, got beat by a quick inside move. You know, he he's struggled at times. But like you said, you know, he's he's good enough at this point in his career. He's a rookie. And then the fact that he had to go from most of his reps this year has been at right right tackle. You know, and now here he is at left tackle. You know, wasn't expecting to play there. And I think that was, uh, that shows that, that he, he's definitely a guy that you're going to keep around long-term, obviously, you know, whether it's swing tackle, you know, if that's, if that's the best he ever is, that's a great draft pick for the bears. If you can lock down one of those spots, that's great. And, and real quick about Tevin Jenkins, I didn't realize it, but he did come out of the game after three plays, but he did play special teams the rest of the game. He had three special team snaps, which I, I, I saw on the snap count sheet. But, you know, sometimes those those things get it wrong on special teams. So I wanted to go back and check the film. He did. He played the two extra points, and he also played on the field goal. And I watched them block, and it's a shoulder injury. And he was on the right side. He had his shoulder into the defender, and he had his right arm up in the air to kind of block the, so no one can get through there. So he was using his shoulders to a point. But it obviously wasn't enough to where they felt comfortable letting him be a starter the rest of the game there. But so I, I don't think the injury is too bad. Otherwise, he wouldn't have played out there. But uh, that was interesting. That's odd. I want to go back to that's really odd, actually. Yes, it I is. I, I was surprised. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they're just down bodies to the point where they're like, you just got to kind of. Well, just they stand did there. have uh, Lashavia Simmons was inactive. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then Jason Peters was inactive. So, uh, maybe, like I said, maybe they just uh, needed all their alignment out there. Yeah, they must have. I want to go back to Borum because that's an interesting thing he brought up that he got beat with a with a fast with a quick inside move. I think that's going to give him trouble, um, just given what he is. And because c- what I've what I've noticed is if guys are coming to bull rush him, he's big enough that he can kind of anchor down. And if if guys are going to try to do speed on the outside, I don't know that he's faced the incredible incredibly good speed rusher on the outside yet. Um, but with that frame you know, he can get out and he's got decent feet. Like he can get out and kind of push him around the back of the pocket. And so, you know, he's been doing all right at that, but the quick inside move, I think he's going to struggle with, you know, I'm, I'm very curious to see if at house hall, was there a plan to rotate him and a Fetty? I mean, they did rotate Thomas Graham at corner. Maybe the initial plan was that him and a Fetty would kind of uh, rotate snaps here and there. So that maybe, Maybe his whole week was spent on the right side. I'm just curious to know because, I mean, they did have Elijah Wilkinson back who has played some left tackle for the Bears in the past. So I was a little surprised they went right to him, to Borum on the left side. So I don't know. Maybe they just wanted to get Borum out there and see what he had. Well, I think I speak for all of our listeners and that we need some video evidence of Robert's uh, pass set. 
And so if, if we can get uh, if we can get some of that posted, that would be incredible. Um, if nothing else, we'll have to next time we go to training camp and see each other, we'll have to line up again um, and recreate that picture from a couple of years ago. So, um, so Lester, since you had Larry Borum as your trench uh, tribute as well, we'll just move on to the Twitter content. So um, I'm highlighting a tweet from one of our friends, Sam Householder. He is at Sam Householder. He's a great follow. Make sure that you're following Sam. So. This was in response to some Robert Quinn stuff. He says, a fantastic effort on a losing team is getting lost. I really didn't think about him being near the NFL lead and breaking a Hall of Famer's record, but it's amazing. Um, and I think that that's, I think it is getting a little lost, right? I, I think that we're, we're not maybe celebrating it enough, um, but, you know, he did make the Pro Bowl. Um, and so so that's a great first step. I hope that he is able to secure um, first team all pro honors, but with his 17th sack, he's now just a half a sack behind the great Richard Dent for the franchise lead. If he can get it in the next game, you know, he'll get it in that first 16 games. So there won't be the people, oh, well, it was the extra game or whatever. Um, but he, he's really racking them up, especially in the, the second half of the season. Um, he has, he's, I think he's only a half a sack off of the league lead. Uh, yeah. TJ Watt is just a half a sack above him. There's a couple guys that are a couple sacks behind him. And so he has a chance to lead the league in sacks as well, um, which would be incredible. And so um, just wanted to make sure we got some Robert Quinn content in here because we've been tracking this for a while. And we're really excited for him. You know, I saw that same tweet and, and the first thought I had was, you know, they're not listening to Bears at Bear and Balance because true. That, well, I have to give Sam a hard time about that. That has been a, a talk on our show this entire season. We we've made sure we have uh have banged the drum for Robert Quinn's fantastic uh 2020 season. 2021 yeah, very, season. Very excited for him. So what about you? What did you have? I'm also gonna go with you know, keep it in the family. I'm gonna go Jacob Infante at Jacob Infante 24. Uh, he tweeted out that in just two games, Thomas Graham Jr. is already tied for second on the Bears with four pass breakups. Wow. He has also allowed catches on just 37.5% of passes thrown his way. If he keeps playing like this, this team has another long-term starting cornerback alongside Jalen Johnson. And I agree. If he keeps this up, he could be a starter for you. The, the fact is, is that he's, you know, it's, it's one and a half games. We got to see more out of, yep. of Graham at this point. You know, Jacob was high on him out of the draft. That was one of his guys. He liked them coming out. I, I think, like I said, one and a half games. But, man, he, he does look pretty good right now. And, yes, he got burned uh, uh, by Metcalf on that first one. But we're talking a guy who's six foot three, world-class speed, physical specimen. You know, he's going to get his sometimes, too. The fact that he did against Graham, it's okay. Yeah, that's maybe uh, <laughs> maybe a bit of a scheme issue, too, where yeah. you've matched those two guys up. No help uh, over really the top. Fair. It's like, come on, what, what are they doing on that one? That was rough. Yeah, he was beat off the line. He was beat off the line. It was rough. Uh, yeah, well, that's good that you highlighted that one from Jacob because I believe that he also got into an argument with a, an account that was uh, run by a dog or a human that runs it for a dog today. Like, I Jacob's been all over the place. Yeah. He's been pretending like he's uh, best friends with, with George McCaskey and someone said that that's not true and that you're a hack and – obviously Jacob Infante is not best friends with, with George McCaskey. Um, but someone took exception of it and it looked like it was an account, uh, of a golden retriever. And so things are weird. Things are wild this time of year. 
Twitter is wild. If you're not on it, maybe don't, but it's fun. And it join us fun. and we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll help you through, through it. So let's get to the stats. So caught up in a numbers game stand of the week. Mine is uh, not a great one, but I had to look it up because I was curious about all the red zone trips that came up empty. Oh, this sounds bad already. And uh, stand of the week is 48.8%. That is the Bears red zone touchdown percentage. It ranks 30th in the yeah. league. It is ahead of, right. ahead of the Giants, who we will see next week, and ahead of the Lions, who we've seen twice already this year. So it's not good. It's not good when you're not converting those red zone trips into seven points uh, and you're converting them at only less than 50%. That's going to catch up to you. That's a reason why the Bears are at the bottom of point differential as well. They are not converting those opportunities like we want them. Way too many self-inflicted wounds, penalties, turnovers. You know, you, you can't afford those types of things when you're down there. And, you know, that's a big reason why the Bears are starting scoring points is they, they can't, they can't, uh, and like, like a couple weeks ago, I th- think it was one of the analysts, on the, I might have been a scorer, one of the radio stations said that from, from 20 to 20, the Bears have been pretty good, but you know when they get inside the twenty, forget about it. Part of that scheme, part of that's execution. You know, part of that's just players not making plays when they need to. Now, obviously, there were some plays that were made in this one. Um, we should talk about that at some point. I'm sure we'll talk about it yeah. after the break. But um, that, yeah, in, in general, you know, you kind of think that the the execution has not been good self-inflicted wounds and the scheme is lacking i think that's really what what that number tells me but what about you what'd you come up with this week uh my number this week is the number 10 and as to with uh, tight end cole Komet, he's at 53 receptions this season so far and that's actually tied for the 10th most ever by a bears tight end in history 53 receptions it, it's right now he's tied with martellus bennett who had 53 catches in 2015, and we got two more games left for Cole Komet, so he he, uh, he could push that up towards the towards the Greg Olson realm of 60, I'm sure. And uh, the the top tight end in Bears history was for receptions was the 90, of course, for Martellus Bennett back in uh, 2014. So maybe Not next year, Cole, maybe ne- maybe next year Cole can get that 90. What what does that list look like? Did you bring that list with you? I did not bring the list with me, but uh, uh, Martellus Bennett's on there a few times. Trey Burton. Um, Mike Dick is on there a few times. Obviously, I think he's in there three times. But yeah, he's tenth, the tenth most. No, no, Cap Boso. No Cap Boso. No, no uh, um, Keith Jennings. No Keith uh, Jennings. <laughs> the Bears have had a pretty bad history at tight end, besides, of course, Ditka. Sure. And of course, a couple years with Bennett. Um, but you know, the Greg Olson was traded away before he really got going in in, as, in his career. Uh, Trey Burton, I think he had fifty six. His first year in Chicago, Jimmy Graham last year at fifty, so uh, Cole Komet's already passed that. So was there it's was funny because go ahead. There was a stat about Komet not having a touchdown in like number of receptions. Like it was kind of pretty significant. I, I'm not sure the number. I know Jesper Horstead has more than he does, well, <laughs> which, which is not good right now. But uh, but I, I think with Cole Komet, we talked about him on the show. He's he's a young player, second year pro. He's fourth or fifth youngest player on the roster. He's he's he is his best football is in front of him. He's never going to be. I see some guys on, on social media. Oh, he's he's got Travis Kelsey skills. I'm like, get get out of here. He's not Travis Kelsey. He's not George Kittle. He is a he is an inline blocking tight end. His blocking's okay. Most tight ends come in the league and they can't block for crap. 
that's just how it is. Even the guys that are that are known as as good blockers in college usually come in and they struggle. You know, George Kittle is is a unicorn. He came in from college and just blocked like a beast. That, that's who he is. He is he has the total package. He is the best tight end in the game today as far as total package goes. Cole Komet's nowhere near that, and that's okay. You know, it's it's it, those guys don't exist very often. I, I'm much higher on Cole Komet than most. A lot of people want to call him a bust right away. I really think a lot of it is just their bias because he was a second round pick yep. because of where he was drafted in the in, in the draft. I think Cole Komet's going to be okay. He's never going to be a superstar, but he's going to be a decent Y for you. His blocking will improve. Use him properly. The Bears don't use him properly. We talk about those stagnant routes. Don't run Cole on stagnant routes. Up the seam, between zone. Get some of those cheap Jason Witten type catches and, and don't try and use him like Travis Kelsey. To me, the value is out the window. It's, the pick is done. It's it's in the past. There's no point in harping on it now, because if that's the case, then then when a guy is like a sixth round like Thomas Graham, you know, do we overvalue him because of where he is? No, he he's he's a pro now. Now now you're a pro perform. That's your job now. You have to perform. Whether you're a sixth rounder, a UDFA, a first rounder, you're on the field. Do your best, and let's see what you got. A lot of people will never get beyond the never. draft value. They'll never get that point. They'll always kind of tag that. And to be fair, a lot of NFL front office personnel never forget draft pedigree, good or bad, right? The good draft pedigree follows guys. They keep getting chances. They keep getting yeah. good contracts. You know, if you're a lower pick and you're just trying, you know, and you've shown out, you still might have that follow you for a while. That stuff does happen. Um, so even really smart decision makers allow that to cloud their judgment as well. But, um, well, let's let's take a quick break. On the other side of this, we'll get into everybody's favorite segment, the Three Bears. All right, Lester, I had a hard time deciding who was going to get the hot bowl of porridge from me this week because there were some interesting choices. Uh I wanted to talk about Demir Bird because was that the best catch I've ever seen in a Bears uniform? Like, maybe. Like, that was incredible. I was really excited about that. Was it Darnell Mooney who decided that he was going to turn into, like, Anquan Bolden after he caught that ball at the last drive and just, like, break seven tackles? Like, that was incredible. Was it Daz Newsom who – had a great 28 yard return set up the bears and had his first catch of his career. Like what, who do I want to give it to? So I don't know. I wanted to mention all those guys. I was very excited for all of those wide receivers. I think I've got to give it to bird because um, an incredible two point conversion to go up. I, I, I don't know that I can think off the top of my head of a better catch that I have seen in the modern era in Navy and orange. Like I just, maybe some Alshon Jeffrey stuff, I was actually at the game in Minnesota where he, he had that huge performance and there was that catch along the sidelines, you know, that was pretty incredible. I mean, I can kind of still see it in my head, but this was really cool. Like he jumps up in the air, guys are trying to like push him out of bounds. He's able to get down a knee. And while he does, he just holds the ball with one hand as he, as he breaks his fall with his other uh, arm and he just hold like just has the grip and just like, I, I thought it was the coolest thing I've watched it a hundred times already and I'm going to watch it a thousand more times probably in the next couple of weeks it was just such a cool catch so I'm we're going to highlight him here the Chicago Bears Twitter account actually uh, retweeted I think it was NFL Network or ESPN they did they do the, the toe drag swag guys and they said this is the probably the best catch they've seen this year 
you know, and that was just, like I said, it's a great catch. I mean, he, he went up for it and it's like, what is he five ten, And he just kept getting higher and higher. You know, I think the, the, the boost from the, from the guys in defense kind of helped him up and he, he made the catch strong hands came down. He had the sense to put his foot down. The other foot was nowhere near. So what, what does he do? He gets his knee down to make sure he's in. And then, like I said, holds the ball in the air. It was just a, a, a beautiful play all around uh, by bird. But you know, the trigger man of that is my hot bear this week is fourth quarter, Nick Foles. In the fourth quarter, he was seven for 11, 99 yards. Of course, he had the one touchdown to Graham. We just talked about his uh, the two-point conversion, pass rating 122.9. So for me, the, the hot bowl of porridge goes to fourth quarter, Nick Foles, slicing and dicing. Gotta love it. You gotta love Nick Foles getting fed. You just gotta <laughs> love that that man comes in and is able to do that after he is not my favorite player. I he is not. do not like the fact that the Bears went out and acquired Nick Foles, but good for him for going in there and playing a, you know, a, a solid game and getting hot at the right time. Not quite the legendary heater he went on to, to win a Super Bowl. Not quite the good, you know, finish that he had to end the Bears 2018 season. That's probably why I can't stand the guy yeah. is that, you know, he, he did in that magical year, but all right, well, let's flip it around and let's talk about the cold. So my cold bowl of porridge, I'm going to have multiple here. It is going to rotating captains. I hate <laughs> this thing so, so much. And I am specifically calling out the two rotating captains, the one on offense, the one on defense, the revenge game uh, cold bowl of porridge for Jermaine Effetti, new captain Jermaine Effetti, who might be a fun hater. I don't know. Had a little bit of a uh, back and forth on Twitter today. It looked like when Montgomery scored a touchdown, he tried to do a snow angel and a Fetty. It looked like Fetty was trying to stop him. Yeah. And someone's like, no, I think he was like pumping him up. And I'm like, I don't know. It looked like he was like, no, no, no. And trying to lift him off the ground so that he didn't get a penalty. So he's a fun hater. He's also, you know, a scolder. I think he must have been the hall monitor or maybe he was a narc in high school. I don't know. Jermaine Effetti and then Bruce Irvin what in the world Bruce Irvin like what what are you doing here um you know getting getting the the captainship here I didn't really see that the point of that either but you know uh my cold bowl of porridge rotating captains next administration please in this please name Khalil Mack the captain please name uh Justin Fields the captain yeah. if you want to bring one guy in every once in a while to be like a special cat or one spot is a rotating cat, whatever. That's fine. But this rotating captain stuff every week, it's high school stuff. It needs to end. I, I talked about it on, on, on my show, uh, team permission conversation a little bit. Cause like I said, I, it's just a Fetty and Bruce Irvin, you know, Chicago bear legends. They're, they're your captains just, just because they, they played, you know, in, in Seattle. And, but, 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 you know, the flip side of this though, who had the big fumble recovery at the end of the game, it was Jermaine Effetti, you know, and and who had the pressure at the last? It was it was Bruce Irvin pressured Wilson at the end. There, they both got get, penalties. In the still getting court. a cold bowl porridge. Yeah, Effetti had a rough game, I think. Too. He did have a rough game. He gave up a sack, I believe. I haven't I haven't done sack watch yet, but I know there's at least a, he had at least a couple good pressures he gave up, and he had a fourth quarter a false start penalty, and then of course Bruce Irvin had the uh, had the unsportsmanlike conduct, which is. I think just off a dance, which was kind of strange. I wasn't unsure. Yeah, yeah, he did. Well, now I was I was going to call that out, and then I was like, "Was that Ogletree?" Because like I know Ogletree had Ogletree had the ball knocked out. Yeah, he had and some then, issues. And then Irvin had, had a issues. at the end after after the pressure that kind of helped seal it. 
think he danced in the general direction of Russell Wilson, maybe. So, oh, in the general direction. That's like, that's the on. issue. You, you can't you can't <laughs> you can't do that. Although I'll say I, I'd have to go watch it again. But as an offensive lineman, recovering fumbles isn't always a good. Th- you know, like it's like yeah. good job, but why were you available to go? Did he give the sack fumble? up? I think he might have <laughs> gave the sack up. Yes, yeah, so I don't know. <laughs> What about you? What'd you have? Uh, for me, I might go cold uh, bowl of porridge. I'm going to go the uh, Chicago Bears run defense this week. And yeah. they got gassed. 24 attempts. This includes Russell Wilson's couple scrambles. 170 yards, 7.1 yards per carry. Uh, big nose tackle Eddie Goldman had a finger injury during the week. He played. You know, that, that was, he, he, he was apparently good to go. Uh, he had no stats at all. Um, you know, they, they did not have Akeem Hicks out there. So that obviously hurts the, the run defense, but you know, you, you had to figure it with the weather, like it was that, you know, they should have been geared up a little more to stop the run. You know, that whole first half was a lot of, a lot of running the ball. So they got to find a way to, to do it. I mean, you know, they got some big bodies in there, Tonga, Blackson, you know, uh, they had Mario Edwards back this week. You, you think they would have had enough bodies to, to make up for missing Hicks. But it didn't happen. They got gassed. And that Seattle line is not the best. And then we talked no. about Penny. Penny's he's an okay back, but he's still not their their top tailback. So Yeah, you kind of wonder sometimes about the weather. And, and, you, and you have the snowy conditions, and you wonder if guys are getting grip, you know, uh, with their cleats and everything. But, I, I mean, it didn't work the other way. Montgomery right? said he had no footing. Yeah, I'm like, well, the footing worked okay for Seattle. Worked okay on the other side. So, you know, there is a long history of Chicago Bears not understanding and having the right footwear in right games. Cleats, and it has yeah. cost them very valuable games in the history with, with George Hallis and way back in the day. But um, this is not as much. Robert, you want to jump in and talk about run defense? Well, not run defense specifically. I mainly want to talk about Kendall Vildor. Look, maybe the guy is just lining up at this point for the just right bowl of porridge, but I feel like after week upon week, I mean, last week against the Vikings, he had a public blown coverage that led to a touchdown. This week against the Seahawks, he had a public blown coverage off of a cover three zone setup that led to a touchdown. So between soft, like playing off too far, giving up easy first downs, poor man coverage and obviously the blown coverages i don't know i just i feel weird not giving kendall vildor a blown or a uh not a blown coverage a cold bore of porridge here at this point in the game i mean look maybe you put it on ryan pace maybe you say kendall vildor never should have been a cb2 to start the season i certainly agree with that he's probably a cb4 at best but he was the starter and it feels like he's just getting worse week to week you may not be able to tell this by looking at me, but I did not play corner growing up. <laughs> um, but but I love corners and I love the corner position. And I and I would I would assume that if you've had some trouble with getting burned or getting you know getting beat over the top, that you have a tendency to maybe come back a little bit and give a little bit more cushion. Um, so that might be part of it is a confidence thing. And then clearly, blowing coverages is. A mental thing right so if you're in your head on you know getting worried about getting beat or whatever and, and you lose focus um all of that kind of ties together i i i think that we're kind of just beyond kindle vildor i mean i feel like we've kind of beat him up all year um and you know we we've well i think a lot of guys you know i, I think a lot of this this rotating corner opposite of jalen johnson has has really kind of getting beat up on this show a lot so um certainly 
you know, Artie Burns has had his share, right? I mean, we've we've talked about these guys that just aren't performing. And, you know, we've given Ryan Pace a, a cold bowl of porridge for thinking that this was a, a viable secondary to put out on the field for an entire season and that it was okay to, to you know, part ways with Kyle Fuller at the beginning of the year because you felt like this was okay behind him, right? Like this, this wasn't good enough. But, yeah, I think we're kind of – or at least I am – like, yeah, Kendall Vildor, he's not the guy. Um, you know, I, I looked at the, the numbers from the game, and, you know, I was a little, little perturbed that they weren't starting Thomas Graham like a lot of Bears fans were. They ended up starting Artie Burns and, and Vildor at the corner, but they actually rotated the three of them quite a bit, and they all had pretty much the same snaps. I guess I understand it, but I don't know. If it was me, if, it, if I'm the head coach there, I'm starting Thomas Graham, and I'm, I'm letting him rotate if need be. He was pretty good last week, so so why not let him do it a whole other week? It, it happened. It's how they did it. They decided to do it that way, and and you know Burns Burns got beat a couple times and missed a couple tackles. He had a couple pass breakups himself, but I don't know if you if you look at the body work for the whole season, why reward Vildor with the start? Maybe Burns and Graham. Regardless, it should have been Graham out there. There's no point in putting guys out there you've seen fail all season long new fresh blood that's what i want well i'm going the opposite thing of fresh blood here with my just right bowl of porridge because revenge game for jimmy graham gets my Ah. just right uh jimmy graham former seahawk he does exactly what you expect jimmy graham to do which is catch a touchdown pass (laughs) and pretty much it right he caught one of one pass besides that that's who he is, right? And and that's what you count on him for. He did exactly what you hope he can do in a game. This is a, you know, this is a solid performance for Jimmy Graham, right? It's like I think it's two catches, one touchdown, good to go, right? So Jimmy Graham gets my uh, just right bowl of porridge. He gets his revenge touchdown on the Seahawks because I'm sure that he, you know, feels like he needs to get revenge on the Seahawks for paying him a lot of money. I don't know. Never understand the revenge game thing, but. <laughs> It was a status on Twitter. It was uh, this is the second time he has officially ended the Seattle Seahawks uh, playoff chances. He did it when he was with the Packers a couple years ago. He, he caught the the game winning touchdown and that ended their season. So maybe this is what he is. He's just the uh, like you said, the revenge, getting revenge for them paying him all that money. <laughs> I don't know. What about you? For me, I'm going just right. I'm going to go uh, just, just just another nine tackles from from from, uh, from the the middle linebacker Roquan Smith. Nine tackles, two tackles for loss, a quarterback hit. That's all he does. He just he just fills a stat sheet. He plays solid defense, and you know he, he's not the he's not a Pro Bowler this year. And if you look at the guys that made it ahead of him, you can see why. But you also see that he's a very deserving player, and you know he he knows that the Bears know that, and you know his 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 big big paycheck's coming up pretty soon here, and he'll be a Bear for a long time, hopefully, and. He'll keep racking up, you know, 10 tackles a game for the next uh, five, six, seven years. He's doing everything that you want. I think that, you know, you just need to see a few more splash plays. We've talked about it a few times on this show. We've talked about it on other shows as well. He just, um, if he had a few more sacks, if he had a few more interceptions, you know, if he, if he just made a couple of those bigger plays and he makes those bigger plays on better defenses, on better teams in better prime teams, time, yeah. like all that stuff is going to just help him. So hopefully the Bears can get back to some level of relevancy here in the near future he can have more of those opportunities uh to make those plays he does need to pad the stat sheet with some of those impact play those plays though he needs the splash plays so um 
I would have loved to have seen him in the Pro Bowl. He might get in with somebody, you know, let's say the Bucks get, get to the conference championship game, you know, maybe he fills in um, behind there. Maybe the Cowboys, you know, the Cowboys, yeah. you know, right, right, Micah Parsons, well-deserving, you know, was in front of there. I don't know why, you know, he, he's listed as an inside linebacker because yeah. that's where he started. It's a weird position. He, he him, moved yeah. to, like, edge line. So I don't know about all that, but, like, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see about Roquan. I still think his future's bright. I would like to see him start stacking these because that starts to matter with legacy. If he's going to be really good for a really long time and he hasn't made a Pro Bowl yet, that is not great for his long-term prospects in terms of, you know, getting you know, way down the line where we start talking about legacy stuff, but hopefully that that starts next year. So um, no fields this week. So no fields. fields report is not um, a thing, but I just did want to say uh, reports are that Nagy said there was no talk of shutting him down, which no. with Matt Nagy, you never know, but maybe Matt Nagy's turning over new leaf and wanting to be honest. Maybe he'll be back for the Giants game, which would be great because Giants are very good. It'd be nice to see him compete in a game that the Bears have an opportunity to win like this would have been in Seattle for him as well. Um, I, I also wanted to just like address that Nick Foles comes in, he beats a bad Seahawks team on the road. Nice. It's fun. I like winning games. Like I, I like, I like it when the bears win games. We're seeing some takes like, well, oh. boy, if Matt Nagy just had a guy like Nick Foles, maybe this could have worked. Like, did you not watch last yeah. year? Uh, you know, why did the bears sign Andy Dalton? And it's like, did you not follow the off season drama and the, the you know, Foles calling out Nagy, you know, publicly and like all the, you know, that relationship was, completely fractured and you know that did you not follow the off season i guess is what I'm, I'm coming to and then this idea that there's so reactionary to one game one win against the bad team that it's like well why didn't we have this going on guys it gets one game we yeah. know who nick Foles is we know who andy dalton is you can criticize him for spending 10 million dollars on andy dalton we have he should have been the target two years ago instead of trading for nick Foles. But you understand why they made these moves because they had to do something different. They were given a charge to do something different than what they had in the building, which was Nick Foles. It was desperation why they went on and got Dalton. I think if, right. they would have, if they would have known for a fact, hey, we're going to get Justin Fields in the draft, they probably stand pat, let Nick Foles be their bridge guy, and just roll with Foles and Fields and then uh, you know some other guy. But I think that you know they didn't know that. They had to make a change You know that was desperation. Dalton was out there. Not a fan of the money, you know. Wasn't a fan of the money to give the foals. One of the wasn't a fan of the draft pick to give the foals. But you know, desperate teams make desperate moves, and that's what Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy were this last offseason. So that era is over now. We'll see. Look, I feel like the Nick Foles thing is so hard to talk about because obviously after this last game, it sure feels like that was a guy that they could have done perfectly decently with last year but we saw a ton of that 2020 season where Foles and the rest of that offense just looked awful so I can't help but wonder whether Dalton and that whole deal was 10 million dollars of marketing and posters and QB1 tweets and selling hope but I don't know I mean I'm so back and forth because that 2020 season Foles looked awful but hey this last game he looks pretty solid he also had Rashad Coward blocking in front of him for most of those games. So, and, and, you know, so like whenever I look at the, that film, I just see that I see a lot of mistakes up front and it's not, it's not all Rashad Coward, obviously, but 
a lot of mistakes. His that was Sam Mustfer very early on in his career, getting some some play at center. That was Cody Whitehair going around the line because he had no no set spot. That was a lot of mixing and matching taking place, and that on that line. And you know Nick Foles, you know. I think you you had it on one of your on your channel. You know, you talked about Nick Foles as he's a mirror. You know, he is. You know, he's a guy that can mirror what your offense is. And if your offense is crap, he's going to be crap. If you got a pretty good offense around him, he'll be okay. And the Bears had nothing around him last year. Yeah, no kidding. Not to mention, I guess I feel like they did have to make the change, just given how bad things looked in 2020, especially near the end of it. That Titans game, that Vikings game. There were some. Really, really bad Foles moments, but I don't know. I mean, JB, for crying out loud, you're you're not a huge Foles fan, and I feel like if we asked Andy Dalton to make that comeback yesterday, I'm not sure it's in him. I don't know. I, all that to say, not Foles better, Andy Dalton worse, but more. I can't help but wonder whether those two are basically just the same guy. Andy Dalton and Nick Foles live in the same neighborhood. Right. Like they they're they're the same type of guy. You can say that one's better than the other at one thing or whatever, but they're the same type of guy. The point is that if you ever have a chance to play poker with Ryan Pace, take that opportunity because you will take his money. He is not good at that part of it. And what he needed to do that last offseason was wait there was only a couple of starting jobs available and there were multiple guys that were going to either be released or eventually just released uh, uh, uh traded for for very little the the guy in new england he waited right like he he waited and he did his thing that's how you play that now it's yep. not like these were guys that were gonna take you to the promised land but they were going to be guys that could do what you needed for for that last year Foles, Dalton, they were going to be available and they were going to be available for not much. But you gave an asset for Nick Foles and then gave him money and you now are going to continue to pay that money. And then it didn't work out, which was tr- predictable. And then you go and cover that mistake by giving Andy Dalton, who you could have had the previous year for half that money, right? Now you give him $10 million and now you have two guys that you're going to be paying Right. That, or that you've paid. You can take that money and you can pay Kyle Fuller instead. You can take that money and you can pay somebody else next year because you can roll that money over on, on the books. Whatever the case, there's opportunity costs involved with doing this. These are mistakes that you continue to just try to like paint over or perfume over, whatever you want to say. That's the point. Ryan Pace was never very good at that. I hope that Ryan Pace moves on and he becomes a director of scouting some for some other franchise, but he was never good at the actual like business part of GMing. And that, that's what I killed him on. That's why I, I killed him on the Nick Foles thing in the moment, because this felt like a very obvious thing that was going to transpire. So um, hopefully we just get to talk about Justin Fields from now on, and we don't have to worry about this. Nick Foles passed him in the all-time yardage ranked he, uh, again, so hopefully he gets to pass him again, hopefully next week. Uh, so that'll be fun. But uh, a win, 25-24, Bears win. Uh, last thoughts? Anything want to get out of here before we uh, just plug the YouTube channel, plug the YouTube channel, website. follow us on Twitter, uh, Gridiron Born, Wilfong JR. Check out the site, Windy City Gridiron, and the podcast channel is popping. See you next week. Bye. Bye.